that. And sometimes what I do is actually I, I, I pull up the Bible app, which is different than this, the Bible app, and I turn it to the scripture and I listen to it. And I would, say, I would tell you that's better than doing nothing. Um, I honestly, I, I do that on my way to work sometimes. I'll just turn it on in my car. I'll listen to a few chapters of scripture and, um, and then I'll kind of review that as I get, when I get back into the office. But uh, the, the most important thing is to understand what you're reading and what you're listening to and then to be able to come back as a church and talk about that. So, yeah. Um, like I said, that's all I have. Um, like I said, uh, Aaron is going to come up today. I'm going to pray for him, and then he's going to bring the word for us. God, we um, lift up our, our brother Aaron this morning. We pray that the words that, that come out of his mouth, the words that he speaks this morning, would be directly um, from you, God, and that you would, that you would um, God, give him the right words to speak. God, that you would give us ears to hear. God, that you would move in this room powerfully through your word. Um, God, as we hear your word this morning, I pray that we would be empowered to go out and to do something about it and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace on earth. And isn't that something that we all desire? But I wonder this morning if on your way to church you didn't necessarily have quite the most peaceful car ride. Right? If you think about Sunday mornings, we have six kids, so it can be, it can be fairly rushed. I wouldn't describe our getting out of the house as being one of peace. And maybe you're the same. Or maybe this week... You think about your week, I've yet to ask somebody, how was your week? And then respond, just super peaceful. Just super peaceful, super peaceful week. You know, most of us say busy, most of us are rushing around, especially in this final week of Christmas. Right, the question, are you ready for Christmas? I still don't really understand what that means. Does that mean like the presents? Am I ready for the presents? Am I ready for the coming Messiah? The answer to that is, of course, yes. And some of us, we observe Advent. And to share a quick story that's pretty funny this week, we, Jessica and I celebrated 15 years on Wednesday of marriage. And we had an evening off. We weren't going to have our small group over. So we had the evening off. And in your mind as parents, you think we're going to have just this sweet, special time to really sit with the kids open our Bibles, have hot chocolate, maybe open their Christmas pajamas, and just have this really rich time in the Lord. Remind them that it's not Santa, it's Jesus. It's not the cookies, it's not the hot chocolate, it's not all those gifts, it's not the gifts, right? It's not the hands of God, it's the face of God. And then I remembered I'm preaching on the Prince of Peace, and for me that's, that's difficult. Ben had said, hey, preach on the Lord of war, I would have been like, okay, I can do that. I can, I can do that. So it starts with some squabbling. We get the initial squabbling after dinner. Okay, we're going to go into the sitting room. We're going to read the Bible. Go and get your teeth brushed. And so we have a little bit of conflict there, and I'm reminded, peace, peace, peace. Get into our sitting room, and if you're a parent, you know what I mean. You know, you have it set up, candlelight, you're ready, and then the somersaults start. And I love a good somersault. Let me tell you, I, I love a good somersault. I just don't like it during our Advent reading. And so I'm thinking, I am supposed to preach on the Prince of Peace, and I'm going to turn into the Prince of Punishment in about two seconds here, and they're going to feel the holy wrath of me and God through me. But I knew this morning as we look that all of us can relate. Every one of us in here, maybe we have an unrest. You know, there's an anxiety. We're anxious, right? We have worry. There's times when we think, my life is just spinning out of control. We may be finding ourselves in conflict, relational conflict, marital conflict. Right now in the world, what we have gender conflict. 
right? And what we really have is spiritual conflict, right? We are at war each and every day. And so this morning as we turn and turn your Bibles to Isaiah 9, as we continue with the names of Christ, we're going to look at the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Because I would submit to you that the only way that we're going to find true and everlasting peace is only in and with the Prince of Peace. And so let's pray and invite God to help us. Father, this morning we come to you and our desire is to give you all the praise and all the glory. To hear from your word in a powerful way. Lord, that that word would change us. We know that your scripture says that it never comes back void, that it accomplishes each and every purpose, Lord. And I pray that that would accomplish its purpose in the lives of those that are listening. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just descend upon us in a powerful way, that we would see the sweetness of Christ, that all other things would pale in comparison to the treasure that Jesus Christ is in our life. And God, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace, that we can have peace through the blood of Jesus. That is our hope. That is our firm foundation. That is the only thing that matters, Lord. Lord, I confess I'm a man of unclean lips. Would you speak now powerfully through me as we hear from your word? Amen. Isaiah 9, starting in verse 2, says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of darkness, on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. If you're a note taker, I have two points this morning. The first is, and we'll look at the peace with God. And our second point, we'll look at the peace of God. Peace with God and the peace of God. But before we start that, it's important that we recognize we don't have princes in the United States of America. We don't have a royal lineage. There's no heritage that we follow. There's no names. There's no birthrights. There's, we're not used to that. We're used to presidents that are elected. But you see, in the Bible... Lineage is important, very important. And Jesus Christ, this coming Messiah, who Isaiah, 700 years prior, would foreshadow and prophesy as the Prince of Peace, that's important. And it's important that we need to remember that Isaiah is written 700 years before the coming of Christ and that this is one of the many prophecies that we get in the Bible. In fact, there's over 300 prophecies of Christ. And interestingly enough... There's 40 people who have claimed to be the coming Messiah in human history. So Jesus Christ was not the first person to ever claim that he was the coming Messiah. But Jesus Christ fulfilled every single one of those prophecies. Every single one. So permit me a couple minutes to show you some of the prophecies that Jesus Christ fulfilled. Because you might be sitting here, you might be skeptical. You've heard of this baby in the manger coming to take away the sins of the world. But remember, this baby that's in the manger is God's fulfilled promise to his people. If you back up a little bit, Isaiah 7.14 says that he will be born of a virgin. Micah 5.2 says he would be born in Bethlehem. Genesis and Jeremiah detail his ancestry, that he'd be born the seed of a woman Descended of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from the tribe of Judah and the house of David. Psalms 22, 41, and 118 detail, uh, detail his betrayal, his accusation by false witnesses, the manner of death in which he would die by crucifixion. Which, by the way, if you've never looked into this, 
that wasn't even invented at the time of this letter. The Romans hadn't even invented crucifixion. And, and to top it off, Zechariah 9 even gets down to the detail of he would ride in on a donkey. He'd ride in on a donkey. But if that's not enough, turn with me to Isaiah 53. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 53 and just listen to these words written 700 years before the coming Christ. Who has believed what they heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Do I even need to preach? Is there anything that even needs to be said as you read Isaiah 53, 700 years before this coming Messiah? He was pierced for our transgressions, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his wounds we are healed. We are healed because of the sacrifice of God. Jesus Christ is who he says he was. He is the Prince of Peace, and we can have peace with God. Now, some of you are thinking, okay, I, I understand intellectually that Jesus Christ has come, that's a pretty compelling argument. Yes, I, I mean, I've never had something written 700 years beforehand, almost just literally fulfilled in one specific person. And I shared with you a couple of those, but there's many, many more. And you think, that, that makes sense to me. I, I, I think that makes sense. I can see that. But I think we need to spend a little bit of time on why. Why did Jesus Christ come? Why was God sent in the form of a baby? Why did he come to the manger? And we asked our kids that this week. Maybe it was last week. Asked them, why did, why did Jesus come? And Jake, our son, who's in fifth grade, he said, he came to die. Well, think about that as a mother or a father. Your son is born to die. And why did he come to die? To satisfy the holy wrath of the father? 
and for us, for you and for I, God came in the flesh so that we could have peace. Ephesians 2 puts it this way. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Colossians 1 puts it this way, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. One of the things you see on these passages, you see, and you need to recognize, anytime there's a consistent use of the same word, you want to take note. And what do we see? We see hostility. 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 What is this hostility? We saw it in Isaiah 53, right? All of us have gone astray. There's not a single person sitting in this room right now that is God neutral. You were not born God neutral. You're not God neutral right now. If the Bible is true, which I believe it is, you were born a sinner. You were born separated from God because of your indwelling sin, which you had no choice. It wasn't something that you chose. It was something that Adam had chose. Because, see, while there's only one prince of peace, all of us desire to be the prince. And we have from the beginning. We want the authority. We want the sovereign rule. And we are led to believe at times that if I had the authority and if my sovereign will could be carried out, then I would have peace. If they did what I said, of course things would be peaceful. But we need to remember that there's only one Prince of Peace. And we are separated from a holy God because of our indwelling sin. And that creates a real problem. And the Bible actually says that we are hostile towards the things of God. But it also says that we can be reconciled. We can be reconciled. Not because of anything that we can do. There's not enough things that we can do. We can't serve at enough food pantries. We can't sing enough worship songs. We can't go along with our parents to church. We can't play Christian on Sunday. The only way that we can have reconciliation is because God himself reached out to us in the form of Christ. And that should blow us away. That there is nothing that we possess, there's nothing that we can do to reconcile ourselves to a holy God. But we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 puts it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And is that not just incredible news? Sometimes I think we forget We've been a Christian so long that we're like, well, of course. I mean, Jesus comes as a baby in the manger. That's just what you do in December. By the way, quick aside, you ever tried to explain the death, burial, and resurrection to a small kid? It's not so easy, right? It's supernatural. You think about it. Reggie's six years old. He's from Africa. I mean, Santa is so real because you can touch him. You can see him. There he is. There he is. Fake baby Jesus on the mantle, this is not real. This is not real. Like, no, it's a, it's a picture of Christ. He conceptually is like, it, it doesn't seem real. It doesn't seem real. But it is absolutely real. It is absolutely real. It is absolutely essential that Jesus Christ would come in the form of a baby, born perfect, never sinned, and sacrificed himself for you and for I. And not only that, it was the will of the Father to crush him. 
if that doesn't make you stop dead in your tracks and stop sinning, knowing that Jesus Christ was crushed for you, I don't know if there is anything that would. Once you understand the gravity of that, the gravity and the price that Christ has paid on our behalf to reconcile us so that we could have peace with God, it's transformative. Isaiah 9 says that this peace, this lasting peace, that his kingdom will be forever, right? This is not a temporary kingdom. It says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and hold it from this time forth and forevermore. Forevermore, this kingdom. That kingdom is not yet. And you might this morning be finding yourself thinking, oh, I'm just in agony. There's just so much conflict. If you're like me, you're just like, wow, I look around at the world today and just think, there is just so much conflict all around us. If you're tired of injustice, I have great news for you. Perfect justice is coming. You're tired of evil? Perfect righteousness is coming forevermore. I think it's important that we remember a few things. The first time that Jesus Christ came, he came as a lamb. He laid down his life. He comes as a lion the second time. The second time Jesus Christ comes, he doesn't come as a lamb. He comes a lion. He comes as a humble prince the first time and a conquering king the second time. First time he comes in riding on a donkey. Second time he's coming on a white war horse. He lays his life down the first time. He comes to conquer his enemies the second time. He came to bring peace with God the first time. The second time, he comes to establish that peace forevermore. And for those of us that are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, we have great reason to celebrate. And just as the Israelites waited for those 400 years for God to speak a word to them, sometimes today I think we can feel that same longing and aching and just wishing for a greater kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. But we know in Philippians 2, God says that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And every, I didn't study Greek and Hebrew before this message, but every means every. Right? Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. You either accept the sacrifice of the lamb or you're on the wrong side of the lion. And that's not intended to scare you, but it is intended to bring the fear of the Lord upon you, knowing that God's holy wrath is upon us if we've not repented, trusted, and believed in the risen Savior. And why would you wait? Why would you wait God has already sent you the gift. He loved you so much. He said, I will send my son for you. You don't have to drink the cup of God's wrath. He already drank it on your behalf. It's unbelievable. What would keep you from bowing the knee and confessing with your tongue? Sin and the spiritual forces of darkness. Piper put it this way, he said, the power of sin and the powers of Satan are against making peace with God. So if you find your spirit stirring this morning and doubting what's being said and think, eh, that's just some story that's 2,000 years old, I, I, this is real. And this kingdom is forevermore. And there is no greater joy than a sinner repenting of their sins, trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and having peace with God. Have that peace this morning. And if you have that peace with God, you have the peace of God. But you cannot have the peace of God without the peace with God. And this isn't some semantical phraseology. What I mean is, 
until you've made that relationship right with God himself, you will always have a longing because you'll have misplaced hope. And misplaced hope leads to a lack of peace. So if you're hoping in yourself, in your business, in your looks, in your strength, in in anything other than Jesus Christ, you have misplaced hope and you will not have peace. Not true everlasting peace. You can have circumstantial peace in your life and tranquility, but you will not have true lasting peace apart from reconciled relationship with Jesus Christ. The peace of God is powerful. John 14 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Are we not some of the most fearful people? When the Bible describes us as a sheep, have you ever had a sheep? We have two. They're afraid of their own shadows. They really are. They're so incredibly fearful. They're not bright animals. They're really not. I want more because I feel so smart when I'm out there (laughs) tending to them. And I figure if David did it, why can't I? Hey, very practically right now, COVID-19, there's two ways we can have misplaced hope. One of the fears we can have is the fear of death or having a loved one get sick. Could fear the disease itself, the virus itself, that can bring fear. And on the same token, we can fear government overreach. We can fear vaccines and, and um, conspiracies. And we can find ourselves as a Christian today fearing the virus itself. Or we can find ourselves fearful of the responses to the virus itself. And if our hope is misplaced and not firmly rooted and planted in Jesus Christ, we are going to have anxiety. We are going to have worry. We're going to have fear. Fear not, for I am with you. The beauty of the Bible is it's littered with characters. They were all scared. Joshua was scared. Moses was scared. Gideon was scared. We're just like them. Fear not, for I am with you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Philippians. Four, six through seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that the peace we want? The peace that surpasses all understanding. Not a circumstantial peace, not a peace that says, well, if everything in my life is going well, then I'll have peace. This is a peace that surpasses all understanding, that despite what you're encountering, despite everything that's happening outside of you externally, that you can have rest. You can have this true shalom, right, just this quiet, subjective, temporary, experiential peace which if you've never experienced the peace of God, I can't, it's like describing the wind to you. You have to experience it. And all of us in this room have gone through trials and all of us have experienced the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. At the end of the service, we're going to sing, It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio Spafford, if you've ever spent any time looking to see what the origin of that song is, what the background of that song is, it's pretty powerful. He was in Chicago. His son that was four years old had died and he had gone bankrupt through some real estate ventures. And then his wife 
and four daughters were going to take a trip from the United States over across the Atlantic, and the ship goes down, and he loses his four daughters. He loses his four-year-old son. He's completely bankrupt, and then loses four of his daughters. And he writes, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. Christ had regarded his helpless estate and shed his blood. I don't care how hard your week was this week. I don't care how hard your year was. Nothing was as hard as Isaiah 53. And yet, he opened not his mouth. Like a sheep that was led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. Now, I should be careful because I'm an elder of the church. I do care about your week. I do care about your year. But I think we have great compassion because of the compassion that our Lord has shown to us. There is nothing other than hostility that was between us and God, and yet he reconciled us to himself. Worry and anxiety is a sin. It's a sin just like you're looking at pornography, just like you are physically in an altercation with somebody. God is not pleased with our anxiety. God does not want us to worry. If you find yourself in a position where you are overcome by anxiety, you need to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You need to go to God in anything in prayer. We do the reverse, do we not? We worry about everything and we pray about nothing. It's just so natural, right? It's so easy. I can worry about anything. Health, wealth, I mean, you, number of things. Relationships. We need to worry about nothing, pray about everything. The moment, the next time you have an anxious thought, pray. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's you're worried your kid's going to choke on a Crayola crayon. Right? Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts. Anxiety is a sin. We need to have a supernatural peace that only comes through God. And so if you find yourself anxious this morning... <laughs> The Bible has a lot to say about that. There's no judgment for that. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the glory of the gospel. It is the best and worst thing that has ever happened in human history at the same time. An innocent man was killed on your behalf, and now you can walk in the righteousness of God because of the shed blood of Christ. It's the most glorious thing in the world. It is absolutely incredible. And because of that, you can have the peace of God. How about peace on earth? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Can I submit to you that the reason we don't have peace on earth is because we don't have the glory of God. Our schools have taken God out of them. No peace. Our workplace no glory to God, no peace. Our country, no glory to God, no peace. Your home, if there's no glory to God, there's no peace. It's glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. We will not have peace until we have the glory of God. Until we rightly restore the glory of God, we will have no peace. And we also have to remember this. That peace is everlasting and forevermore, but it's not yet. It's not yet. Isaiah 11, a little bit further, I love the passage in Isaiah 11. It talks about how the 
the lamb will be laying with the leopard. Beasts will be laying, animals that were killing each other. Great news, guys. No more injustices, no more crime. Revelation says there will not be a single tear in heaven. In fact, God is collecting a bowl of your tears. He's collecting a bowl of your prayers. That is how much God loves us. That is how much the Savior loves us. He's gathering every prayer that you gave, every tear that you dropped. You had a hard week, a hard month, a hard year. You cried into your pillow. God kept every one of those tears. Oh, my goodness, that's just incredible. We are not like God. (laughs) We are not the Prince of Peace. If you're honest with yourself, you're like me. You're more of a Lord of War. You're ready for conflict. Conflict is just so incredibly natural. Peace is supernatural. So what about relational peace? Horizontal peace. The Bible says, so far as it depends on you, get into a big fight with everybody. No. It says, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. I can't control someone else. But so far as it depends on me, live at peace with all. Is there someone right now where the Holy Spirit just moved upon you and you thought, I I need to reconcile this relationship? Maybe it's your son, daughter, maybe it's a coworker. Something came and, and now what's happening is your own sin and flesh and the spiritual force of the darkness are like, it's not that big of a deal. Just let it go. It's not that big of a deal. And the Holy Spirit of God is like, no, you, so far as it depends on you, You need to live at peace with all men. Matthew 5 says what? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. When you walk into a room, are you an ambassador of peace? Does the room become something that is uplifted? Or are you someone who's just so quick to pull your sword and chop someone's ear off? We are all in the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us. Every one of us is in the ministry of reconciliation. So far as it depends on us, we need to live at peace with all. Blessed are the peacemakers. This last part, I'm just going to confront you in love. So full disclosure, in Psalm 23, it talks on how your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Pastor Ben is a staff pastor. I am a rod person. And I think you need the rod and the staff but I ask your permission for the rod now. And whether you give it to me or not, I'm taking it. Some of our homes are not a great picture of the Prince of Peace. They're not a good picture. They're not bringing glory to God. Our marital relationship is not one of peace. It's one of conflict, and it needs to be one of peace. It's a poor reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and some of us have that. Some of us have poor relationships with our kids. And whether we've caused that or not, we're in the ministry of reconciliation, and we need to reconcile so far as it depends on us that relationship. Some of us have an obstacle with a Christian brother or sister. Now, we have hostility between the two of us. That should not be. So far as it depends on you, you need to live at peace. We are in the ministry of reconciliation. We need to reconcile that relationship. Some of us have no peace because we have our phone in our hand every waking second. 
It's the first thing that we look at in the morning, and it's the last thing that we look at at night. And if we're doing that, we will not have supernatural peace. The messaging that we're taking in, either through podcasts, political podcasts, news, media, cinema, if we're putting that into our minds and then we're wondering why we are anxious, we need to put our phone away. You need to grab the Word of God in the morning before you grab your phone. We need to spend more time discipling our children than looking on our phone grandchildren, whatever it might be, our phones are sucking the absolute life out of us. And we don't even know it. And the irony of it is it has an apple on it, for crying out loud, most of them. Isn't that, have you ever thought about that? Some of us need to simplify our schedules. We have no peace. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, you keep him in perfect peace because his mind is fixed on you. You want perfect peace, you have to have your mind fixed on Christ. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you were still? When was the last time that it was you and the Prince of Peace? We run around. Some of us are going to gain the whole world and lose our soul. We're going to build an incredible business. We're going to have a bunch of friends. We're going to do great in school. We're going to be a fantastic athlete. And in the process, we're going to lose our soul. doesn't need to be like that. Some of us are walking in a manner that's unworthy of the gospel. And our sin is separating us from the peace of God. We are looking at things, we are doing things, we are behaving in such a manner that it is not reflective of the God of the Prince of Peace. And we need to stop. We need to stop. If we want greater peace, we have to have greater glory. And the only way we're going to have greater glory is to fall down at the knees of our Lord and Savior, the Prince of Peace, and fix our mind on him. That baby that came in the manger, it wasn't just a story. It was a living sacrifice for us. <laughs> you see, Jesus doesn't just bring peace or give us peace. Jesus is peace. And if you want peace this morning, I have incredible news for you. You can have it. You can have peace with God this morning through the blood of Jesus Christ on your behalf. You just have to repent, turn from your sin, and trust him and be reconciled. And after you've done that, you will have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Regardless of your circumstance, there will be peace. Regardless of your circumstance, you will have a supernatural peace. But we have to remember, it's glory to God and peace on earth. Not peace on earth. It's glory to God and peace on earth. His reign is forevermore. We, as citizens of the Most High God, Most High God, should have great joy this Christmas. We can have peace with God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Pray with me. Lord, what more can we say? We, we desire peace. We long for peace. We long for your kingdom to come forevermore. God, I pray you would give courage by the power of your Holy Spirit for those that need to have peace with you, that you have broken down the wall of hostility between 
them and you that you in your great love have sent Christ on their behalf. His shed blood covers them in righteousness. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict them that they would repent and live this day forward a son of the Prince of Peace. And Lord, I pray also for those of us that have anxiety and worry that we would have a supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us to be prayerful people. Help us in everything to pray and in nothing to worry about nothing. God, thanks for the beauty of Christ. Thank you for these words that were written that we can have such great hope. Such great hope going into Christmas knowing that everything has been accomplished on the cross because of you. And so, Lord, may we... Leave this place changed forevermore because of Christ. In his name, amen. Let's stand and sing together this last song. few things before you leave, a few things that you can commit to this week, is to memorize that four, six through seven, uh, Philippians four, six through seven, seven passage. Um, I'm just going to read it for us real quick. 
Again, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then the second thing that you can do this week is to read the Isaiah 53 passage again. We read it this morning, but to read it again, and maybe it's sitting your family down and reading that passage together just talks about um, what Christ um, went through for us, the prophecy um, foretold before, that he, before it even happened. So um, read that. A third thing you can do uh, is pray for a family member to find true peace. Uh, maybe you know someone who um, struggles with anxiety, or um, maybe you know someone who, who is not a believer, um, who doesn't even know what the peace of Christ, peace of Christ is. Um, pray for that person. Think of that person this week. And then fourthly, uh, to seek to restore a, re- a relationship, um, to go out of your way, to think about this week of any relationships that you have, you have conflict with. Maybe it's with your wife, maybe it's, um, or the other way around, with your husband, or maybe it's um, with your kids, maybe it's um, with a coworker or a friend or a family member. Seek to restore that troubled relationship because our God is a God of peace. Um, And so as you go out this week, may we be um, his sons and daughters of peace as we go out to this world who desperately needs that peace. Have a great week.